Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. It's been 18 days since Russia invaded the sovereign nation of Ukraine. As the assault intensifies, the images and stories coming out of Ukraine grow more soul-searing by the day. We haven't even wrapped up the global pandemic yet, and suddenly it feels like we're on the precipice of World War III. This morning, I wanna check in on our spirits. How are you holding up, my loves? I know that I'm not alone in feeling like it is all too much. When the invasion first began, I was so distressed, I didn't feel like I could watch the coverage. My initial instinct was to put my head in the sand to avoid seeing those heartbreaking images that would imprint on my consciousness forever. Some of you likely had the opposite reaction and couldn't stop watching the news. I know many of us have cycled through overwhelming feelings of anxiety, grief, despair, and devastation. The question that's been on my heart the last few weeks is, what do we do when there is nothing to be done? This is really the question anytime we face seemingly intractable atrocities in our world. What difference can I possibly make in the face of a ruthless invasion by the Russian army or the scourge of endemic racism or the looming environmental collapse? How do we navigate the incoming hits without checking out or sinking beneath the crushing weight of hopelessness. Here's Kentucky poet and farmer Wendell Berry's wise reflection. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives will be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things that do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. The good news I have for us this morning 
is that there is always something we can do. Resisting despair for the world begins with spiritual practice. We determine what brings order, gladness, and perspective to our days. What is it that allows us to rest in the grace of the world? And we develop a devotional commitment to doing those things every day. In my life, this includes starting the day with meditation, reading poetry or books that speak to my heart, getting outside to enjoy the natural world, and pausing to reflect on what I'm grateful for at the end of each day. For you, maybe it's gardening, dancing, journaling, prayer, playing music, anything nurturing that we can do mindfully and consistently can be the spiritual practice that will steady us and get us through the most difficult of times. In the early days of the invasion, I was inspired by the small acts of solidarity from my broken-hearted friends. Diana, my dear friend and colleague who leads our church in Oklahoma City, added Ukrainian to her daily practice on Duolingo, the language learning app, where she's already studying Russian, Spanish, Czech, Hindi, and Welsh. My friend Holly, who lives in Washington, D.C., was desperate for a way to make a human connection. So she researched every Russian and Ukrainian restaurant and church in the D.C. metro area and sent each one a personal message of compassion and support. My neighbor Orla told me that her six-year-old niece, Molly, learned about the crisis when she asked her mom about a Ukrainian flag draped from a balcony in their Dublin neighborhood. As soon as they got home, Molly grabbed her blue and yellow crayons, created her own flag, and taped it up in their window. My friend Elena texted me one of the most beautiful photos I've ever seen. It's of the train station in Shemishal, which sits just beyond the western border of Ukraine. Polish parents had lined the empty train platform with strollers for the Ukrainian mothers who might need them upon their arrival in Poland. As I was paying attention to how the people around me were expressing solidarity, and finding ways to keep their hearts open. A conversation at tea reminded me again that there is always something we can do. One of the great blessings of the pandemic has been our new tradition of tea with the ministers. For two years now, Reverend Kim and I have been hosting a virtual tea party for anyone who wants to turn up in the ASC Zoom room on Wednesday afternoons. It's been such a beautiful way to navigate COVID isolation, to share our stories, and to bolster this beloved spiritual community. When we discussed the prompt, 
Tell us about a time someone gave you the gift you needed. I was struck by how many of the gifts that people were moved to recount four, five, six decades later were such simple gestures. It was a testament to the power of a small kindness or an encouraging word from a stranger. This week, I booked a three-night stay at an Airbnb in Kyiv. Rest assured, I don't intend to travel into a war zone anytime soon. But I was inspired by a Washington Post article about a creative way to support people in Ukraine by engaging at a human-to-human -human level. With my reservation, I included a note to my host, Boris, offering my sympathy, my admiration for the extraordinary re resistance and bravery of the Ukrainian people, and my prayers for him and for peace. When we don't know what to do, giving money is always a good option. I was so happy to give Boris a little bit of money in addition to supporting the Red Cross and our own Share the Plate. But this act was much more about expressing solidarity and taking advantage of the unprecedented ways that technology and globalization have made manifest the interdependent web of existence. Corresponding with Boris, who has remained in Kyiv with his family, feels like a miracle and a gift, helping me to keep my heart open and my spirit engaged. Gathering in community is an essential practice of resistance. I was so grateful to Christine who posted in the chat that a peaceful protest in support of Ukraine was happening in the public garden after church a couple weeks ago. She inspired me to go, and I was so heartened to see the flags, the signs, the singing, the chants, and the kids and the dogs decked out in yellow and blue. While one deeply misguided man may be wreaking havoc with this evil attack, here were hundreds of people of good heart who had come out to show their support. These protests continue to grow with thousands of people now marching in cities around the world each week. Protest is powerful because it calls us to action and allows us to join with others in building the collective good energy that will transform our world. As we gather in community this morning, we are engaged in the spiritual practice of resistance, coming together to share our despair, voice our grief, and encourage one another. It's so important not to be isolated with our worst fears. Mark David and our musicians are offering us a beautiful opportunity to honor Ukrainian culture and to join our voices for peace and freedom as we fortify ourselves with the reminder that we will go on.
Thank you for uplifting me just when I needed it. I'm gonna close this morning with Dr. Clarissa Pincola Estes, extraordinary letter to a young activist in troubled times. My friends, do not lose heart. We were made for these times. I have heard from so many recently who are deeply and properly bewildered about the state of affairs in our world. Ours is a time of daily astonishment and righteous rage over the latest degradations of what matters most to civilized, visionary people. You are right. The hubris some have aspired to while endorsing acts so heinous against children, elders, everyday people, the poor, the unguarded, the helpless is breathtaking. Yet I urge you, ask you, gentle you to please not spend your spirit dry by bewailing these difficult times. Especially do not lose hope. Because the fact is that we were made for these times. For years, we have been learning, practicing, been in training for and just waiting to meet on this exact plane of engagement. I grew up on the Great Lakes and recognize a seaworthy vessel when I see one. Regarding awakened souls, there have never been more able vessels in the waters than there are right now across the world. And they are fully provisioned and able to signal one another as never before in the history of humankind. Look out over the prow. There are millions of boats of righteous souls on the water with you. Even though your veneers may shiver from every wave in the stormy royal, I assure you that the long timbers composing your prow and rudder come from a great forest. That long grained lumber is known to withstand storms, to hold its own, and to advance regardless. In any dark time, there is a tendency to veer towards fainting over how much is wrong or unmended in the world. Do not focus on that. There is a tendency too to fall into being weakened by dwelling on what is outside your reach, by what cannot yet be. Do not focus there. That is spending the wind without raising the sails. All we can know is that we are needed. We will meet resistance, but even more, we will meet great souls who will hail us, love us, and guide us, and we will know them when they appear. Ours is not the task of fixing the entire world at once, but of stretching out to mend the part of the world that is within our reach. Any small, calm thing that one soul can do to help another soul, to assist some portion of this poor, suffering world, will help immensely. What is needed for dramatic change is an accumulation of acts, 
adding, adding, adding to, adding more, continuing. We know that it does not take everyone on earth to bring justice and peace, but only a small determined group who will not give up during the first, second, or hundredth gale. One of the most powerful actions you can do to intervene in a stormy world is to stand up and show your soul. Soul on deck shines like gold in dark times. The light of the light the soul throws sparks, sends up flares, and builds signal fires. To display the lantern of soul in shadowy times like these, to be fierce and to show mercy, both are acts of immense bravery and great necessity. Struggling souls catch light from souls who are fully lit and willing to show it. There will always be times when you feel discouraged. I too have felt despair many times in my life, but I do not keep a chair for it. I will not entertain it. It is not allowed to eat from my plate. The reason is this. In my uttermost bones, I know something as do you. It's that there can be no despair when you remember your purpose. In that spirit, I hope you will write this on your wall. When a great ship is in harbor, moored, it is safe. There can be no doubt. But that is not what great ships are built for. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. My friends, may we feel the day-blind stars waiting above us with their light. May we resist despair by forging human connection with acts of solidarity, stretching out to mend the part of the world that's within our reach. Let's shine the lanterns of our lit souls with faith that we can tip the critical mass toward an enduring good. As we go forth with hope today, may we remember that we are made for these times. Let's keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you.
please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.